Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey! Yeah, we're all back together again for one more week. Next week, we're going to lose one of our Geek Buddies who's off on a gay cruise, but we'll talk about that in just a Aloha, second. Hawaii, <laughs> Aloha. Is it that's going, not going to Hawaii. Is it going to Hawaii? It's just, that, that's, that's what my... I'm feeling very uh, vacation-y v- tropical. Oh. Very tropical. <laughs> Vacation tropical. And I hope I get laid. Hey, oh, get it? L E I. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I haven't heard that joke in a while. Hey, nice. But you, are you going Hawaii? Where are no. you going? You don't know. Where, you don't want to. We're going to. Uh, I don't want to say. Maybe one of the Geek Buddies fans will be on that cruise. You never know. Hey, you know what? It, come find me. Hey. Uh, it, we are going to. Uh, uh, Puerto Rico, Saint Martin, and Haiti. Nice. It is a Caribbean cruise. Ooh, Haiti. Watch out for Haiti. A lot of stuff happens down there. I think Haiti is pretty much the Royal Caribbean island, so I think we'll be oh, pretty safe. Oh, okay, okay. Just want to make sure. Because <laughs> I've heard the hard There's jet skis, zip lines, and a bar oh. about 20 feet out in the ocean. Um, are all of the cruises... I mean, when you went on the gay cruise before, was it out of California or was it out of Florida? It was also out of Florida. Mm. Uh, it was the same cruise. So okay. it was oh. the same one. It's this Caribbean cruise is the biggest uh yeah the biggest boat in the world cruise with the biggest number of people. So How long are you going for? It is a six, seven day. It's a week cruise. Okay. Is it, and how many have you been on before? This is just my second one. Your second cruise, period? Ever? Third cruise. Ever. Ever. Second wow. gay cruise. Second gay cruise. It's going to be a lot of dancing is what you're saying. A lot of dancing. I, I remember Paul sent me the video last week, or last year, rather. It was unsettling. It was a year or two ago. It's just all this mass of humanity. Yeah. On the ship dancing. A lot of skimpy bathing suits. Well, that's fine, but a lot like of flesh. Yeah, I don't listen, I'm not judging. It's 2019 20. I'm not judging, uh, okay. I'm just stating a fact. I'm just saying I yeah. saw that video too. It was yeah. a lot of flesh. It was a lot of flesh. There's <laughs> a lot of people dancing around. I believe that was the dog tag party, so yes. Hey-o. <laughs> Interesting things. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about the world of entertainment uh, and break down some stuff. Uh, I am uh, John Roke. I'm a writer, producer, and host 
for the Outlaw Nation, a new yeah. outlaw starting up there. Uh, and uh, who else do we have on the show with us today? Uh, Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated uh, movies and TV shows, gay cruise goer, and big <laughs> fan of the Outlaw Nation. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on 911 Silicon Valley and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Never been on a cruise. Oh, yeah. Gay, straight, or otherwise. Let me ask you a question. Have yeah. you auditioned for Deputy yet? Oh, the Stephen Dorff show? Yeah. No. Okay. No. We watched it the other night. I have never seen a division between two people occur so quickly at the beginning of a show than between me and my girlfriend. Let me just tell you. Really? Were you in the Dorf camp? I loved it. I thought it was completely exactly a male cheesy awesome drama that you don't see anymore. Because it's network, right? It is. It's network. It's Fox. And every scene ends with, well, we're going to show them the real way that we do things around here. And I love it. I ain't going to be pushed around by you press. Boom. End of scene. I loved it. You ain't going, out, you ain't going to school looking like that. Ah, end of things. I loved but, but it. But Lindley, not so Lindley, much. Lindley's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. This, shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> You're right. But David Ayer directed the I mean, this really the seems pilot. like it's right down your wheelhouse. Yeah, like, it really is. is. Really... I swear, the I'm like, it's like I'm watching myself as the outlaw in the show. It's incredible. <laughs> and I'm being cheesy for, for, for a Schmodown thing within the realm of that world, right? But like... This dude's doing it in real life, supposedly, in that world. And it's unsettling to watch it. It's like, no one will let you get away with this. Do you think if the show was called Constable and it took place in a quaint little Welsh village, she'd be more into it? <laughs> yeah, she'd be totally into it. Yes. If it was a... I mean, that's more your wheelhouse. <laughs> if it's in the late 1800s, yes. <laughs> Fair point. The Constable has a scientist friend. They make steampunk weapons. Oh, of course, the steampunk weapons. Yay! <laughs> wow. That showed up in one of the shows she was watching. I was like, what does steampunk do it over here in Britain? <gasps> That's mind blowing. Oh, that's yeah. that. That's the home steampunk. Yeah. No, no. It was a New Zealand show. She's watching oh. something called Broken Wood Mysteries. She loves it. the farthest out away from America that you can get are her favorite shows. It's mind blowing to me. <laughs> this side of Japan. Anyway, I think you should get on deputy. Yeah, that I, was my whole point. Get will, on that, Shannon. I will try. You know, Stephen Dorff, he's not a tall guy. He's a little, he's a no. little dude. He's like 5'8", I think. I, I like how he's come back. I thought he was destined for like straight-to-DVD shit, and here he is, after True Detective, here he is leading a series oh, on Fox. Yeah. so good in True Detective. Right? So, right. so good. Kind of doing the same thing. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, you guys who are new to the Geek Buddies, welcome aboard to this incredible train. Uh, for those who've been here before, thank you so much for staying on the ride for this long. Uh, you guys, let me tell you how it works. Uh, we each present a geek news item, and then we jump into our main topic. And yes, of course, today our main topic is what's been burning up the internet, which is the Colin Trevorrow, I hope I want to say that right, script. Uh, and I know you guys are probably like, Star Wars again. I, but hey, it's the Geek Buddies approach. I li- it's like, but like, I, am, I cannot wait for Birds of Prey to come out or really? Marvel Phase 4 to start or something so that we actually stop talking. I love Star Wars. I'm you happy do. to talk about it every week. But like... You know, we were like, we were actually talking about it before the show. We're like, well, should we talk about something else? And like, right. we can't. It's the biggest thing to talk about it right now. Is. Like, it's and, all over the internet. And for those of you who are worried, we are not talking about it to bash Rise of Skywalker to be more about like what this means, what it's all about, what was highlighted here in the script, what we thought would have worked, would have not worked, and also if we think it means anything. So we're yeah. going to discuss it all in that way. But uh, who's going to start us off first? That would be me. All right. So this past week, we got the first trailer for the uh, for the film adaptation of Morbius, <laughs> which is a Spider-Man character. He's sort of a deep cut character for, for those that oh, don't sure. know him. Morbius, yeah. Morbius the Living Vampire, um, starring Jared... 
Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Sorry, I just because Jared Harris is also in the movie. He that, is in the movie, and that's the one that popped into my head. But yes, Jared Leto in his second comic book role turn, and I think this movie got announced, and everyone was like, "Why are you right. guys really doing this Sony Spider Verse without Spider Man?" And then the first couple pictures came out, and he had a really interesting look. It kind of looked like his thirty seconds to was it thirty seconds to Mars? Is that the yes. name of his group? Um, he looked very rocker, but then this trailer came out really surprisingly interesting. Um, off the bat, it's like, oh my God, I like him so much more as this character rather than the Joker. They had some Beethoven music playing in the background. You got to see some awesome vampire action. And then, as a shock, we see a poster of it. what it looks like a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Well, I mean, I think that's neither here nor there. It's Spider-Man. Well, yeah, it's a Spider-Man, but I'm just thinking of the iteration of it. But it's yeah. um, but then it had spray-painted uh, Murderer yep. on top. So as Vogel posited on our, uh, on our text thread, it's like, well, they're clearly addressing Spider-Man, yep. maybe killing Mysterio. And then at the end... Yeah. Michael Keaton shows up and sure looks like Adrian Toomes to me. He's still dressed like he was in prison. Yeah. Vulture. What did you, what did you guys think of this trailer? Oh, I loved it. I yeah. loved it to pieces. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I loved it. Like, I'm oh, not. Okay. But I really liked it. I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised for sure. Uh, you know, I think, and, and to give Jared Leto a little bit of credit, uh, you know, one of the things that is very clear in this trailer is that it's very clearly an origin story. You get yeah. that yeah. he has an illness, that he's trying to do this. And I think where poor Jared Leto might have gotten the short end of the stick with Suicide Squad was, you know, maybe if we had developed his Joker a little bit more and not just thrown Joker into the middle of the movie, he would have done a nicer job or it would have been perceived he did a better job. He didn't have a ton to work with. So it's going to be nice seeing him in a movie where he actually gets to really, uh, Build this character out. Yeah. And maybe this is what he's built for is lead. Do you know what I'm saying? Lead these kinds of films. If you're going to do a superhero film with him, right? You got to let him kind of take the lead in this one. Yeah. And Suicide Squad, he's used, he's used sparingly at best. So he's trying to make the most of the scenes that he does have. And maybe you know, some people like it. Most people don't. So there we go. That's what it is. But in this, I like you because it brought to mind his role in Dallas Buyers Club. Remember, he's dying of, yep. I think, his AIDS, and so he has to kind of physically transform in that way. And you see him physically transform. Dude, dude loves a physical transformation. He does. He's a big fan of it. And, <laughs> big and he big cer- fan of the method acting. You certainly, be- you certainly believe it, but what I like here is there's a difference, too, between the character. Because the came out in 1971, and the difference between this character that you see in the trailer and the character, uh, the origin story of the character in the comics is the character in the comics did like shock therapy and use the DNA of bats. This guy is going to remote, remote, remote locations to get bit constantly so that this will be part of his. And then finally he transforms. And when he transforms, he's immediately an anti-hero. It seems like because he's being chased down and hunted down. He's trying to save the doctor who was like his friend at the beginning of the trailer. Um, Jared Harris is here as a counselor. He was beat up as a kid. So there's a lot here that they give you sympathy for this character before he becomes the living vampire. It looks, you know, I mean, like, I I don't think it's any uh, news if we've talked about it before, but, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Venom as a movie. Sure. I like Tom Hardy a lot. I love Venom as a character. Not the biggest fan of the execution of that movie. But one of the things that was really sort of, uh, you know, uh, annoying to me about Venom is like when you have a character that literally looks like Spider-Man yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're never going to address that. That just happens to be like it was it was supposed to be in the Spider-Man universe, quote unquote, but it was not really. It was sort of its own thing. And maybe one day they were going to be able to. And it seems here, uh, whether it's because of all the discussions between mm. Marvel and Disney or whatever, as Shannon said, you know, seeing that Spider-Man poster in the background with murderer scrawled across, mm. which kind of contextually puts you right in that Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline of Peter Parker being outed 
right uh and accused of killing mysterio and then like you said uh michael keaton showing up uh 90 sure as adrian tombs vulture right. who was in prison it, it's very much doing what venom did not do mm-hmm. which is placing him in this universe and right. even if it's a a sony pocket of the universe that can only say so much that goes a long way oh, yeah Towards making it feel a lot more grounded in something that we already know and understand, and it and it gives more of a promise that this is going to tie into things with Tom Holland mm. than I think the Venom movie did. Right, and I think with the the Venom situation, I think they couldn't. I think they were like, well, let's see how this one does. Be, yeah, yeah. I don't. Right? I think I don't and think then, it was their choice. Yeah, right. I, I agree with you. Like they were probably told straight up, no, you can't. Yeah, and don't they would have loved to. Right. So. That was, you know, that just is what it is. But it, yeah, so this, this automatically, those little things made me much more intrigued. And it's not even, it's it, a lot of people said it was Tommy McGuire, Spider Man, but actually, a lot of people are speculating online that that's the uh, Insomniac Spider Man PS4 game Spider Man design. So that was interesting too. So that's their way of maybe of hedging their bets of deciding which Spider Man they're going to go with, and that's distinctly a Sony current Spider Man. I honestly, Insomniac and you know, this is. I, I could be 100% wrong, but yeah, because everybody's doing this whole, you know, you, Shannon, you did when we were texting about it, and I looked online, I was like, well, this is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, this is this, and I don't really understand why it's even a discussion. I do yeah. think you might be right. I think it's more a matter of, like, maybe Sony just wasn't allowed to use yeah. the Disney Marvel version, so they used the PS4 version, or the, you know, like, they, I think they used what they used, but yeah, like, the, well, I think it's this Spider-Man, it's just like, I'm like, well, I don't understand what that even really would mean one way or the other. Right, right. I mean, in terms I mean, I'm of asking, what it, like, yeah. Well, no, but in, ter- in terms of the universe, I have no idea. But, I mean, looking at the picture, I'm like, okay, that has raised webbing. That's what it looked like to me. I'm like, that's the Tobey Maguire version. How it plays in, I don't think they're trying to slam worlds together or anything. Yeah. But I think it's, you know, it's it's basically like you you, you see someone, it, it's like a, an artist doing a rendering of, a, of, a, of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they might have some of their features sort of exaggerated a little bit. So maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I think it's probably just more of like a legal, like this is the Spider-Man they can use. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that makes sense. Cause you still get the point though, that murderer is in connected to Mysterio. And then of course the vulture stuff. So now you get to play within this idea of there might be a sinister six that could come about once Holland is done with Marvel He'll swing back, so to speak, swing back into this version of Sony. Well, I don't know that it's either MCU. done with Marvel or not. I think the two things could coexist simultaneously. Probably, but Spider-Man has to appear at some point, don't you think? Uh, no, I'm saying like I don't under. I, oh, you think he could be in the both. back and forth? I don't think that. I don't think that. Gotcha. If they're going down this road, hopefully, yeah. I don't think it means that Tom Holland has to end his run on Marvel Spider-Man movies, and we don't get Tom Holland anymore, and only then can he be in these. I think that mm. they'll probably figure out a way where it's like, well, Tom Holland can continue to show up in Marvel movies, but also we want him to do these two movies with us so that we can have a Sinister Six or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and as interconnected as the Marvel Universe is, there aren't always... There- there isn't always a situation where, like, you're watching the first Ant-Man movie, mm. where you have a mention of the Avengers. You have right, uh, right. You have Howard Stark show up at the beginning, but outside of that, I mean, it was a very insulated little story. So who's to say going forward with the Sony Spider-Verse if that's maybe not an angle that they're going to approach? The, the mm. thing that always works great about Spider-Man, um, and it, it kind of works for the news movies as well, is that Spider-Man is sort of your local neighborhood hero. So even if you had something like... A let's say let's go for broke and say a vulture, venom, Morbius, Carnage, two other shocker, right, whoever right. else, Sinister Six team up where they were going after Spider Man. That would still be a localized New York thing. Yeah, true. Which isn't really a well. We need to bring in every. This isn't a Thanos just 
attacked the planet thing. Right. So you can, with Spider-Man, tell these stories to Shannon's point that, you know, hopefully Tom Holland can show up, but it doesn't have to be, and now it's the Marvel Universe will never be the same. It can kind of happen over here and be its own thing. Right. Yeah, and the director of this movie, Daniel Espinosa, he's done some really interesting films in the past. Life, which a lot yeah. of people had speculated was sort of like a Sony's, Venom? yeah, like yeah. a prequel to Venom. Um, that wasn't what it ended up being, but the movie was really enjoyable. And it he was. also did Safe House yeah. with uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, yeah, Denzel Washington. Yeah. He, he's done some really good movies. Now, Ruben Fleischer as the director of Venom, I'm not a huge Ruben Fleischer fan, despite the fact that I do like the Zombieland movies. Yeah. His other films I haven't been a big fan of. Daniel Espinosa, I'm like, oh, you've done some cool stuff. I'm yeah. curious to see what this movie's going to be like. It, it really is fascinating to me to see how geek culture, just like, you know, you're watching Twitter as these things break, and you just see how geek culture sort of shifts gears. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, I don't know about this trailer. Mm, I don't think it's good. Jared Leto wasn't a great Joker. And then the trailer comes out. You're like, no, it's great. I'm in. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm on board. I'm on board. I like it. Let's do it. Arms are constantly folded. Arms are constantly folded in the geek culture now because I think everyone kind of underneath is afraid that one of those things is going to come out and not do well and sink the whole fucking thing. I think everyone's just afraid something's going to come along is going to finally pop this whole superhero bubble and we're going to lose this great utopia that we've had over the last 10 years. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, more babies will be coming out, I believe it's in July of yeah. 2020. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. six months. And that's a, that's a very uh, confident yeah. date. Yeah. You know, that's not a let's put it in April or August. Like July is, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, because yeah. what? Uh, Venom came out in what? October? I, I think. Yeah. I mean, yes. it was in it was in a it was in a month that is becoming more for uh, more fertile for for big budget movies. But yes, right yeah. in the middle of summer. Yeah, that's it's confidence. Time. It's prime time, baby. All right. So next up, uh, we've got the uh, Black Widow trailer that dropped the newest one that dropped uh, over the week. No, uh, no Black Widow trailer. Um, <laughs> I, I forget what I was watching and dropped. Oh, during the national championship game, it dropped during the NCAA national championship game between Clemson. Uh, and LSU. Uh, I know you're not sports fans. LSU won. Um, really good game. But I, they did a whole piece about it at halftime, and then they released the whole... It was only a minute and a half trailer Yeah. Uh, during the th- between the third and fourth quarter. See more like an extended look yeah. rather than a trailer. Well, we certainly got more Florence Pugh, yeah. and maybe they were sitting on that until she got some nominations. And they're like, oh, yeah, now we'll go with this one. Um, and we got then, more Taskmaster. We certainly got more Taskmaster. Definitely that's really more Taskmaster. That's the talking point coming out of this whole thing. Is it more Taskmaster... If you want to know who this is, I think it's a dead giveaway when she goes, who are you? It's Rachel Weisz. Well, it's also when she says, who is that guy? Yeah, right. Who is that guy? Yeah, I... Uh, Did you like? Did you guys like the trailer? A, I like the trailer. And yes. I mean, I don't think it gave us a ton new versus what we saw aside from Taskmaster, but I do, mm. I do think it was more that looks great, more that looks really good. Like, everything about this movie keeps looking really, really, yeah. really good. So, you know, it's like the characters are great. It's funny that you say about the Rachel Weiss thing. When we were at Comic-Con and they showed the footage of Taskmaster and everything, I like turned to somebody. I was like, I think Rachel Weiss is going to be Taskmaster. <laughs> I have heard from somebody who works at Marvel that that's not the case, but I don't know if they were lying to me or Ooh. not. <laughs> I got the whole, cause I got the whole, I think Rachel Weiss is like, uh, no, that's not, that's not what it is. But really? I, 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 I I don't fully she trust them. Doesn't appear in any of the fight scenes. Yeah, that tells you that it's got to be her. 
Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't seen all of the fight scenes. We've seen what's in the trailer. I'm but... just saying. Well, yeah, and only trailers floor... of fight scenes. We haven't seen a fight. The only fight scene that Lawrence Pugh pops up in is with uh, with uh, Scarlett Johansson in the yeah. kitchen. Like, we don't see her in anything else either. No, but we see her in this one on her own in the white, same wearing the same white. But we see Rachel that... Vice in the white outfit as well. Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I know uh, your points are a little suspect here, John. <laughs> <laughs> One of the arguments or one of the complaints that some, uh, I think, probably more comic purists had after Mm. that first trailer was the Taskmaster mask that he was wearing seemed more, uh, a little more kind of like a a dirt bike rider. Um, Whereas this one, it it looks like you got a proper look at the actual skeleton mask. And I did not see this, but I saw someone commented that it looks like the mask is reflective. Right. So it's when you're fighting Taskmaster, you're literally fighting yourself. Yeah. And that's cool. And I was like, oh, that's really, no, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a smart way to go. It, uh, it, you know, it just, it, it, it really is, and it just seems to be a continuation of every time we talk about this, like, you know, there's this movie coming out. It, it's a movie of a character who we already know has passed in the current timeline of the Marvel Universe. And the fact that they're still able to generate so much excitement about it, uh, so many fun questions, so many ideas of where this is going to take us. Like, it's just, it just shows how well they've sort of uh, set everything up for us. Like, think, I'm, I'm super thrilled and super excited to go see it. I agree. And I, I think this, for, uh, this trailer made it feel more so that this is going to be Florence Pugh's like passing of the mantle of Scarlett Johansson to Florence Pugh. It feels that way. Letting her be more central to this particular trailer makes it feel like maybe yeah, I mean that, that might be true. I, yeah. I think like from the moment that I saw that it was her at Comic Con, I was like, Oh well that's what this is. So yeah. I think I was already I'm already geared up for that in my mind, so right. I've already sort of accepted that. So I didn't notice it being more or less. Oh, okay. But I hundred percent agree that that is hmm. clearly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um and what like you know, so I was thinking about it watching the trailer. It's like, well, she's gonna be great, but like she's great in everything she's been in. She is. Uh, you know, the fighting with my family. I've heard she's great in uh, Midsummer. I don't want to watch it because I think it's going to screw me up in the head. Uh, <laughs> she's good in Little she's, Women. And she's amazing in Little Women. Yeah. So she is exactly the type, quality, personality of actor that Marvel kind of brings in and makes a part of their bigger universe. Yeah. yeah. And the more that I see of her, like in Little Women and other stuff, the more excited I get about the idea of her picking up that mantle and coming back into the mainline Marvel universe. If that's what ends up happening. Yeah. 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 And I really like that moment where she dropped her Russian accent. Yeah. Which I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Because I know again, something after the, uh, Iron Man two and after Avengers, like, Oh, you know, Scarlett Johansson was really good, but mm. she's not Russian. Like, right. you know, right. Natalia's Russian. And it's like, Oh no, the widows would be so well-trained yeah. that you can drop an accent. Do you think we'll hear hat. Scarlett's accent? I kind of don't think so. Yeah. But that's just a guess on my part. It's a little bit of a petty guess. I would say. <laughs> you just think she can't do it? Is that what you're saying? Do, are you saying she can't do Russian I'm accent? not saying she can't do it. I'm saying that if she had been able to do it really, really well, why wouldn't they have used it before? Mm. That's that's what I'm saying. Well, well maybe something happened in well, Budapest. Mr. Negative Nancy over there. <laughs> oh. I don't want to be negative. I mean, she's <laughs> double nominated for an Oscar, but I guess you know better yeah, what well, her she, talents she are. She doesn't use a Russian accent. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's fair. She's not marriage, marriage story. <laughs> <laughs> she used a Oh, that's right. She used a German accent in Jojo Rabbit. She did. She was good. Yeah. She was good in Jojo. She was good. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> uh, but I'm not getting married today. Um, 
for anyone who's seen Marriage Story. That's a company reference. All right. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. I don't want to spend too much time on it. A lot was presented. Uh, sorry. Not a lot was presented, but a f- more was presented to get us more and more excited for this thing. And this thing's coming out soon. Yeah. Right? Like May or something May like 5th. that? May 5th. It's, so it's, it's coming the out. Marvel summer kickoff. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be, uh, hopefully we'll be all in the same screening and we'll see this thing and do our own Geek Buddies review. That's for sure. That's I like kind of all a, of those things you just said. That's, I'm just putting it out there. Boom. Um, all right. What are we doing on next? Uh, well, speaking of Jojo Rabbit and uh, and Scarlet's accent, oh. uh, you know, we're we're definitely going to do a bigger Oscar show yes. uh, when the Academy Awards airs and we're going to dive into who wins, who loses, whatever. Um, and aside from the nominations coming out, there's not a ton to talk about. Aside from the fact that the three of us were discussing, it's like, like hashtag Oscar so angry. Yeah. And I know that like every year people, you know, want to complain and talk about who got nominated, who didn't. But I don't know about you guys, but does it seem and, 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 and mm. potentially rightly so. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. this is negative. But it seems like people are angrier this year than normal. Well, let's give a little background. There were a lot of snubs that people were shocked by. Uh, certainly Jennifer Lopez snub, which I didn't think was that shocking. People felt that way of Christian Bale. Um, there were a number of Lupita. others. Uh, oh, sorry? Lupita Nyong'o? Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o. A lot of people felt she should have been nominated for that performance. And I, had, us. I had a friend at the gym tell me that he was going to hunt down everyone who didn't vote for Frozen 2 and shiv them with an icicle. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so he was very upset about that. Clearly. clearly. This is the anima- animation community up in arms that up Frozen 2 didn't get nominated? I don't think yes so. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think people are more just like surprised. I know I know people who are really big fans of Frozen 2 that are, are, are bummed that it's not. But like, right. you know, sequels, aside from the Toy Story movies notoriously aren't like huge winners mm-hmm. um you have to be really 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 good as a sequel to like to really make it um but the fact that it was just sort of totally shut out is yeah. surprising because yeah. yeah it didn't get nominated for song either right it did get nominated okay. for song it into did. the unknown it did. did get nominated but beyonce did not for lion king and the, the bay the beehive the beehive is not happy about that but there's definitely a disney enough with your lion king kind of yeah i think that's what that is and by the way that i would say that beyonce song from lion king is one of the only things i like Wow. I don't like it in the context of the movie, but just as a song on its own, I'm like, it's right. a good song. Also, the fact that there were no female directors nominated for yep. best for that best was a director big one. that was a massive, a lot of anger over that. As well, well, like, I mean, Greta Gerwig not getting nominated for Little Women. That's that. That's a big right. It yes, was, it was surprising. I, I agree. Uh, was it Bong Joon Ho yeah. for the for Parasite? Yeah. That was very surprising that he did get nominated, yes. which is good. Yeah, which was yeah. very good. And the movie d- got nominated for Best Picture along with Best Foreign Best yeah. Foreign Film. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna. Yeah, and that that's a tough one for me because I think they're gonna do what they usually do in this instance, where Parasite is a lock to win Best International Film, right. and then they won't give it the Oscar for Best Picture solely because of, well, we already gave it the other Oscar. Like that's that always kind of. I'd be okay with it this year because I think 1917 is the the best film of the year. Uh, okay. So if it doesn't, if they don't give it to him, I think 1917 deserves its nomination. I, I think, don't think I, it's the best. Okay. Okay. What do you think is the best? Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I think Jojo Rabbit's the best. I don't think it's going to win. I think I'm going to tell you right that. now. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to sweep the Oscars. <sighs> I I will tell you right now. Um, you think it's going to be 1917? I do. I I it think that based on much. I'm not. This is not me saying. I want yeah, jo- you're not agreeing with. This. I right, want right, Jojo Rabbit right, to right, win. Right. I think 1917 is a fantastic film. I think it is so beautifully shot, beautifully made, beautifully crafted. I think it's great. Jojo Rabbit, just the the emotion underneath that movie, to me, is a better movie of the year for me. Yeah. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to sweep. I think I think the wow. Academy loves a movie about Hollywood, 
and there is not a movie about Hollywood as Hollywood as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And just given like it's the response to the Golden Globes, given the response to everything else, I just have a feeling we are going to get a this is Tarantino's year. What about Irishman? Do you think the Irishman will sneak up behind everybody else? In I don't think so. I can't see thing? it happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I thought it was very, very well done, um, all the nominations that it got was sort of like, ah, this is another Scorsese movie. <laughs> right, this right, is, right. This is nothing new. Um, a, a film that really got ignored that I was really surprised was The Farewell. Yeah. Um, yeah. After Aquafina won for won for best actress for at uh, uh, Golden Globe for right. for best comedy, um, how it just didn't get any yeah. notice it, whatsoever. Not it's even the a- best supporting actress for the old lady yeah. who was playing yeah. the grandma. And I do think that this. I mean, look, it's the same conversation over and over and over mm-hmm. again. But it is, it's a. It, 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 being very broad about it, it's a bunch of old white people who like old white people movies. Yeah, but it wasn't supposed to be like that. The, the fact that they've they were supposed to be more diverse. They've they've brought I in thought more, it had changed. Yeah, right? they brought in more people of diversity. They brought in more women. They brought in people of color. They brought in they tr- tried to make it younger the voting body, but at the end of the day, it's still 71 percent white male. Uh, so or seventy one percent white male and over sixty years old or whatever. So you go at that point, you're like, uh, and even Stephen King tweeted about it, which really pissed a lot of people off. Well, his yeah, I got I've gotten into tweets. it on Twitter with that Stephen King thing. Yeah, uh, that it was a dumb tweet. It yeah, I've gotten in a lot of discussion about uh, in the past two days on Twitter about whether or not you should see color and see diversity <laughs> in art and like so yeah, like for anyone who doesn't know Stephen King mm-hmm. in talking about the. Uh, the voting and how the Oscars went and talking about what he did. Uh, hold on. I have to find it. His original tweet literally says he's been nominated for Oscars. Um, uh, let's see. I would never consider diversity in matters of art, only quality. It seems to me that to do otherwise would be wrong. And then Ava DuVernay retweeted it and said, when you wake up, meditate, stretch, reach for your phone to check on the world and see a tweet from someone you admire that is so backward and ignorant, you want to go back to bed. Um, <laughs> but wasn't that tweet part of a series? It was part did? of a series of tweets. Yes. Uh, but they all led to the same conclusion. But they all kind of led to the same conclusion. And it kind of boils down to, and this kind of gets to the bigger issue that I think people have with the Oscars, which is his, his explanation is, um, you know, I don't see color. <laughs> I mean that basically is the it is the it is the the distillation of this is I look at art and I say is this a good story is this well made is this well in his case well written um, and that's what I vote on and I don't see color and I think traditionally the I don't see color justification for anything ends up uh, creating less diversity not more. Right. That that just tends to be how that goes. Um, and so the discussion that I've been having with people about that is that I don't think that – and then they're like, well, it's just filling a quota or trying to be diverse for diverse sake or like giving it to a person of color or a person of a different gender identity or a woman just because and not because of talent. And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. It's because – Art is a intensely personal thing. So if you are a writer, a director, a creator of art in any form, you're making it from your perspective. Right. You are making it from your perspective, your experience, the way that you see the world. And as we have learned in several different instances over the past several years, your your gender, your ethnicity, mm-hmm. your gender identity, 
uh, the color of your skin, where you are from, whether you immigrated or not, all vastly uh, changes the way that you experience the world. Of course. So that's going to also vastly change your art and the type of stories you tell. So we should be celebrating the diversity of art and storytelling because it gives us more perspectives on the world that we live in. I also think you can say that if you've written pieces that have consistently been balanced in terms of the art. Uh, protagonists being of people of color versus people who are white, that kind of thing, then at that point you can make that statement. But King hasn't. King, pretty much everybody in all his books are white leads. It's rare that he does a lead that is a person of color. So you go, okay, I don't see color. Yeah, but you seem to only see one kind of color when you're writing leads for your books. You know, So those kind of things kind of come into play overall. It's what you see around you. And look, I grew up in a predominant, I'm, of course, I grew up in a Latino family, but what I saw on TV was mostly white. And so I find a connection with white art more than I do with Latino art or black art. I know black art. I've seen black art, obviously, black movies, black music, that kind of thing. But cinema-wise, it's not at the same level that I've seen the amount of white films or know the way. I'm mean, looking at the top. Are you talking volume or are you talking Yeah, volume. Oh, okay. I'm talking volume. Okay. Volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so naturally the more bites you have of the apple the more chances are that you're going to create something of quality so right that's the thing at the end of the day and so i just think i, I think it's okay to not have a feel i think it's okay to step back if you're you know a person of of fame and notoriety and you're white you're like you know what this isn't my battle i'm good this you know blah 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 there's no need or, to chime in on this or well yeah i mean or i would like you to chime in and in, in favor of diversity, but right. that's my personal subjective right. opinion. Well, fair. So I guess fair. if you're, yes, you're right. Like, I guess, unless you're going to say what I want you to say. Well, I know, that's supposed to be. What do you guys statement. think about Joker? I'm fine with it. <sighs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's interesting to see the backlash yeah. against it now, how people are like, well, it was okay, but 11 nominations, that's crazy. <laughs> like, did you guys not see the film? I saw, like, it's mind-blowing to me to see people with backlash against the Joker. So why do you think there is a backlash? My brother and I were talking about this. Why do you think there's a backlash? I think there... It's uh, <sighs> a good question. Um, I, I think that happens with anything when something becomes insanely popular. Like, what was it, 94, when Forrest Gump swept the awards, uh, yeah. and now in hindsight, people are like, oh, God, what a mistake that was. It should have been Pulp Fiction. It should have been Shawshank right, right. Redemption. I think anytime you have something that is universal, universally beloved, it will fall at some point. People love to see a hero fall. But with the Forrest Gump, I mean, and I might not be remembering this right, I think you are right now that, like, years later... And this happens with a lot of Academy Awards, which is why the Academy Awards are just whatever. But like, uh, yes, now people look back and say, well, both Pulp Fiction and Shawshank, like they, they, they're both – Forrest Gump is lovely. But when it won that year, I don't, like I don't think when Forrest Gump got nominated and like won every – like I don't think people were upset at the time. That's no. more of a hindsight being looking back at cinema, whereas this is a – Joker got 11 nominations and instantaneously there was this eh, fuck like we we even talked about this like there was a will Joker even get nominated for best picture will it you know be seen as more of a film film and not just a superhero film and it clearly was yeah the 11 nominations and now people are like okay but it wasn't that much of a film well it's the same people who were bitching when black panther got nominated for best picture last year a lot of people like it wasn't the best film that wasn't the best superhero film even of the year it should have been infinity war should have been spider-verse there were all those people, and they're the same people who go, comic book movies need to be respected. You you got to be consistent. Look, it got nominated for 11 nominations. That's incredible for the genre of comic book movies. That's fantastic. Or for the medium of comic book movies. That's another yet very strong step forward. Black Panther opened the road to Best Picture. Uh, um, Jared Leto, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Heath Ledger winning the Oscar. 
uh, and pos- and then uh, uh, um, Joaquin, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix possibly win the Oscar for the joke. This is a good thing. So for people to all of a sudden step out and go like, oh, I don't like this 11 nominations. I think it all comes back to that incel bullshit. Comes back to that violence bullshit that people had about this movie, and I do think it was bullshit, uh, in my opinion. Uh, it's just a movie, and you can choose whether you want to sympathize with this guy or not. Do you think it does not steer you to sympathize? with Is him. there a Todd Phillips backlash? There is that too because of the comments that he yeah, made. Yeah, he doesn't that he give said. a great interview. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Talk about a guy who should keep his mouth shut. Let yeah. me ask you. Let me ask you one more thing before we get out of this because this yeah. is, I was talking to somebody about this too, and this always fascinates me. Yeah, um, and it happened with two big movies this year, at least two big. Uh, when a movie is nominated for Best Picture and not Best Director. Yeah, interesting. That always find I find that very I don't know what that says, and I'm curious about it. So obviously, as we said, and one of the things people really upset about that happened with Little Women. Yeah. Little Women nominated for Best Picture, not Best Director. Right. And then um Taika Waititi not directed for Best Director for right. Jojo Rabbit. But it's different when you've got nine nominations and only five directing nominations. That's my guess, issue. Okay, okay, that is true. But that's what? my issue. I that's why, yeah. and I've been saying this for two months now or three months now, uh, that they need to expand the director category to 10 to, for the possibility of 10. doesn't mean there have to be 10. Right. But you have to do it like you do with Best Picture. I think there should be the possibility of having guess, 10 Best You know, I mean, I just have to be, you have to be there. You have to, like, you know, you wake up Oscar morning <laughs> and if you're oh, going to go, you're that. really pissed. Yeah, right. But even Taika, you know, you're like, all right, well, you got nominated for Best Picture. You got nominated for uh, Adapted Screen, Screenplay. screenplay. Yeah, yeah. And Performances. And both, performances. both films got nominated and, for Best Picture. And there's Oscars right. for Performances, but like, you didn't, but like you didn't make the five-person cut for Director. Right. You're like, well, I made one of the Best Pictures of the Year. What the fuck I got to do? This is not cool, man. Did <laughs> <laughs> Set your Taika. <laughs> I like. Taika. I like that. I think for the past three or four weeks on this show, we've gotten little little uh, snippets of the John Roca voiceover <laughs> accents. Peace off, Academy. Peace <laughs> off. <laughs> I don't want Did to ask every you. director nom every director nominee all of their movies were direct were nominated for Best Picture. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, John. There's is just not. Right. Yeah, you're not. There's not enough slots to fill. There is. I just and there it, needs to be enough. It, is enough. Already. It just. It just is such a. And again, it's it's an award show. It's all arbitrary, right? Like, you know, it's like it's it's as, as Joaquin Phoenix said in his uh, bleep. I, I assume he said it was mostly bleeped out at the Golden Globes, but I think more or less he said we all know this is bullshit. Like you, there's not one best movie of yeah, the like yeah, it, yeah. It, it doesn't work that way, right? I still love watching the Oscars and I love talking about it, but yeah, it is a right, and it's this one particular body's opinion, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Kristen Harloff had a great uh, point when I was on Send Live on Monday, and he said. I don't think you should reveal who the voters are, but you should reveal the numbers. Like, oh, it only lost by 11 votes being nominated for Best Picture. Or only lost. That way you have an idea of how the body itself is voting. So you have an idea. You don't have to say, oh, you know, predominantly white voted. No, you have to say, what are the numbers are? And you don't say any names. You just say, what are the numbers are? Then at that point, you have an idea of how they're looking at certain films and how it's being done. I mean, people cry all the time about transparency from their government. This is just a fucking award show. We should definitely have transparency for something as frivolous as this. And I don't mean frivolous because it doesn't have prestige. I mean frivolous in that it really doesn't really matter in the old, like, actual, like, life, you know, with wars and famine and pestilence and drugs. and all. Do you see, Like, it doesn't really matter, you right? See what, speaking of prestige, you see what Bong Joon-ho said in his interview about the Oscars? Oh, no. Oh, right. He said it's a localized... Local. Uh, that's a brilliant answer. So I asked him how he felt about all the Oscar hubbub, and he was like, oh, man, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. They're not an international award show. Yeah. It's just a local, <laughs> it's award, a local show. award show. I love it. Some, somebody wrote up to it. Like, I saw it. They were like, 
Bong Joon Ho calling the Academy Awards a local award show is the mood is my mood for 2020. <laughs> that's that's my mood. Like that's what I want. Yeah. It was so I was like <laughs> loved it so much. <laughs> but you brought up a great point earlier, Mike. We should address it. This idea is: Does it feel like people are angrier this year than before than they have been in the past? It, I mean, look. I think in general, I think it's safe to say that people are mad. Right? People now. are people. People are mad. In Full general. stop. Yeah. Period. <laughs> End of sentence. That's, good point. That's it. Yeah. Like around, like across the world. I, I, uh, on, on this whole tweet about, uh, Stephen King yeah. and with Ava DuVernay, like I kind of retweeted it and said, oof, that sucks and whatever. Got into it with a couple people on Twitter. Got into one conversation with a guy who didn't, didn't agree with me, said, I don't see color either. And we were going back and forth. Yeah. And then someone else got it on the conversation and like was like, well, to the other guys, like, well, you're a racist asshole. Whoa. And, I was like, all right, well, full, hold on, let's keep it clean, let's keep it, let's keep it civil. And then he was like, I was keeping it civil, like I said this and this, but you can just see, and and like it all worked out, and we mm-hmm. talked, and we like traded some funny gifts, and it ended up being a fine conversation because I don't like getting in fights on Twitter. I like to try and keep it. Let's just have a conversation, right? But you do just see how every thing that comes up, like, uh, yeah. and I wasn't, I didn't, I don't think this person was necessarily wrong for being upset. You just see how easily everybody gets upset about everything right yeah, now yeah me included sometimes like i mean you know well sure we we try and keep it we try and keep it positive and have a good spin on here but in rise of skywalker <laughs> got me got me got me hot like <laughs> people were upset about it so we were upset it, it, but so i do think it just seems like even people who are trying not to be mad we're just living in a world right now where everyone's getting really mad a I, lot i also think and this is something that i was actually watching last night the leslie jones uh, stand-up special, which everybody needs to watch, by the way. It's hilarious. This dropped last night for the first time as we're recording this. Um, she talks about the fact that you know how you can tell that we're going to be okay is you look at people in their 20s and you see them dancing and going crazy and acting stupid and whatever, and then you go, okay, we're going to be fine. The next generation, we'll be fine. People in their 20s now are fucking doing none of that. They're angry about everything. They're protesting. They're marching. They're doing all these kinds of things. They're sitting with their arms folded. I'm offended. And Leslie Jones like, you just got out of high school. What are you offended by? What are you possibly offended by? And that's the conversation you're having now. I sense that this is a generational thing, that these people coming up in this new generation of the 20s, uh, uh, the 20-year-olds now, and the generation behind them are turning on the Oscars, are turning on the idea that this is something of prestige. People have been saying, oh, it's the movies we're nominating. No, I think this has been a generational thing that's been happening over the last few years that the next generation coming up is like, I don't give a fuck about this. I like what I like. Like I see uh, being in the sphere for the last three years, you've seen fans turn on critics in ways that I've never thought was going to happen ever my entire life. And it's because this feeling of like they feel critics gatekeep acceptance of movies. They gatekeep whether a movie is good or bad. And so they get upset about it because they get personally hurt by the fact that someone they respect or someone they know or has respect bashes but their also movie. not entirely wrong either it's like well, as, sure, as, fair. as brie larson said in that critics awards uh ceremony she did that yeah. everybody went crazy about and tried to turn into a thing on 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 right. line where she said that the majority of film critics are white straight men yeah you know and that like sometimes when you have a movie that's not necessarily targeted at white straight men maybe you don't need to hear what all the white straight men think about it right right um and i think when you look at things like the farewell not being nominated or lapita not getting nominated and certain things you kind of do go like look it's like different strokes for different folks but maybe we need to be represented a little bit uh more equally at the top so that yeah. everything is getting its due i don't know i mean look i don't think we need to turn the oscars into the let's you know the political movement where there's so many no, other no, things no. to be political about but it's just it it is it is an interesting 
phenomenon to your point seeing how uh are, you know is the entire concept of the academy awards a little bit outdated should there be something different should we do a celebration of film in a different way wait, i don't know wait for the day the independent spirit awards have higher ratings let's get rid of the electoral college and and do something different <laughs> with the academy awards those are my two <laughs> two, my big, two big thoughts this week <laughs> let's see what i got next week seem pretty easy to take care of <laughs> uh all right well anyway uh there's uh we'll be doing as michael said we'll be doing a uh, um oscars show a special after the the ceremony has uh, finished and the awards have been announced, we will do a special uh, episode of that and drop it for you all as well. And that's February 9th is when that's a, when that uh, ceremony is happening. I still believe that I have an outside chance of sliding into one of those seats. Who knows? You got to have big goals in life. Fingers you got to have big goals. We'll see. You never know. Um, anyway, all right. So let's go to break right now. Let's hear from our sponsors. And then uh, we'll be right back to talk about our main topic, Star Wars. All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for us voicing the, war- the script for our sponsors and getting you all on board to support those products uh, and those things. They all help the Geek Buddies go round and round, uh, as someone once said way back in the 80s. All right, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, jump into our main topic. Like a record, baby? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're spinning me around. Uh, Mikey, you wanted to present this one? Who wants to present this one? I mean, I'll present it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so in, in the further saga... That is the post. That is the post Rise of Skywalker Star Wars reaction. <laughs> yeah, um, it was leaked a few days ago. Um, the on a Reddit thread. Yes, um, always a, a reliable a, source. Always a reliable source. Uh, the play by play of what Colin Trevorrow was going to was planning on doing. There was a script that was dated for like December. Yeah. Um, was it 16? 16, 2016. Yeah, 2016. That was a script that was here was the Colin Trevorrow uh, Star Wars script titled Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Fates. Um, and since it's come out, there was a lot of discussion about the veracity of it. Is it even, is it even mm-hmm. uh, a thing? But since then, it's been pretty much confirmed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. from, from multiple sources that this is indeed accurate. This is indeed what it was. Yeah. Um, so really quickly, uh, without getting into, you should definitely go read it, check it out if you want to see the details. But more or less, I can. Um, let's see here. Let's read the um, the all important Star Wars crawl. Yes. Um, the iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Yeah, that's a way better crawl than we got. I mean, no, the dead don't speak. Dead don't speak. <laughs> um, so, you know, highlights are the movie opens with a massive heist. Uh, yeah. Finn, Rose, uh, and Ray. Uh, mm-hmm. basically hijack a Imperial Star Destroyer. Which BB-8. Awesome. Which is all with BB-8 in the, in the name of the Resistance. Kylo Ren is just chilling on Mustafar in Darth Vader's old castle um, in a very Shakespearean Hamlet-style move is having lots of arguments with Ghost Force Luke. Yeah. Who's trying to bring him back to the light. Uh, and in a nod to Empire Strikes Back, Kylo Ren actually faces a ghost of Darth Vader. Comes to believe because of what Luke is saying that Vader was weak and his love made him weak and his honoring of his grandfather from Force Awakens was wrong and that he nice. needs to throw him throw that away so that he can become the true evil of the galaxy. Rey, uh, meanwhile, still has her connection to Kylo Ren, um, believes there is good with him, teams up with Poe, uh, and uh, we. it is revealed that Snoke had Kylo Ren kill Rey's 
still nobody parents. Yep. And um, at the end of the movie, Kylo Ren and Rey meet up on Mortis, mm-hmm. which any fans of the Clone Wars know is the crazy, mysterious Force planet that has the father, the son, and the daughter, the right. three pieces of the Force. Right. Um, and they have a big fight. Ghost Obi-Wan, Ghost Yoda, and Ghost Luke show up. Everyone tries to bring Kylo Ren back from the dark side. It does not work, and he is ultimately extingu- extinguished. And meanwhile... Uh, Hux is the supreme chancellor of the galaxy from Coruscant. Yep. And um, Finn ultimately leads a rebellion of defecting stormtroopers in the streets of Coruscant. There's a giant battle there. So there's a lot going on. Um, so the lot, that's the long and short of it. Those mm-hmm. are the, those are some of the big highlights. There's a couple more details that are yeah. not that I missed probably, but you get a sense of what was going on in this movie. You get a sense of what the drive of it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, right now, as of today, people's response seems to be, for the most part, uh, wow, wouldn't it have been great had this been the movie we got Yeah. Um, instead of Rise of Skywalker? So that's that's the long and short of it. What are your guys' thoughts? How do you feel about this? And then we can get into what it actually means. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed reading this, and I liked a lot of the swing for the fences things that they did in this. And the fact that they picked up right where the last movie left off, what a novel concept. Uh, and kept it going and then had Rose be a part of this thing a little bit more, had uh, Kylo not be redeemed. I think that was a massive positive for me uh, and fully dial in to wanting to become evil. I like that. I think that's once he makes the decision to kill Snoke in that throne room, once he, uh, Ray rejects him, there's no need to go back. To me, there's no going back. He is fully what he is. Great. Let's embrace that. Uh, let's let's have him be haunted by. I've never seen a force ghost that shows up without request. That's such a fascinating, interesting thing. A force ghost that haunts you and messes with you and you know gets in your head. So we've never seen that before in Star Wars. When a Star force Wars. ghost is haunting you, who are you going to call? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Paul Rudd. Uh, Bill Murray shows up. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray sl- flies in on a Tie Fighter. <laughs> We're ready to believe you. Save me. Sure. Uh, all of that is great, uh, and and I enjoyed so much of so much more of the possibility in the script than what we saw in Rise of Skywalker. That being said, let's be real here. This is Colin Trevorrow, who does not have the best track record recently with movies that he's directed and written. Um, this is great on paper, but do we trust that he would have really? brought this so so to speak brought this ship into port uh for everybody's uh enjoyment yeah i mean there were a lot of interesting things uh one thing that that mike didn't mention was uh chewy was supposed to pilot an x-wing yes which i think would have been tie fighter oh was it a tie fighter i think it's a tie fighter i thought it was an x-wing either way let's check the reddit Go either keep way chewy a big old wookie and a tiny little you know one one seat fighter that's funny that would have been fun um, but ultimately, I, I kind of go with John. Um, we don't know if he would have stuck the landing. And also, we don't know where in the process this script was mm. in terms of production, perhaps. I know they had said um, it was dated a couple of weeks before uh, Carrie Fisher's death. Yes. And they may not have been able to use her the way that the script needed. Well, I think you, I think it's safe to say they absolutely would not have been able to use her the way the script needed. So there would have been... There, and look, there would have been changes even beyond that. I think that this isn't early. John, you said something earlier yep. before we started recording. What you, 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 uh, you were, There's three le- stages of making oh, a movie. Oh, right. There are three stages of making the movie, right? It's the writing, 
the shooting of the movie and then the editing. So who knows how much of these scenes would have ended up in the final edit of the film. Who knows how much they would have actually shot after they, you know, looked at the script and executives got their hands on it, changed some things around. I think, you know, when it comes to Colin Trevorrow and not to not to not to knock on him, but like I think if you describe to me in a beat sheet such as this, uh, what's going to happen in Jurassic World, it would also sound really, really good. Yeah. Execution of that movie, maybe not as much. And by the way. I think if you explain to me the beat sheet of Rise of Skywalker, I'd probably a couple things would make me raise my eyebrow. But you know, you say, well, we're going to bring Palpatine back, and there's going to be this huge fleet of epic star destroyers that are going to be like, you're like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So I think it's hard to judge anything based on sort of this level of detail. Like you don't know how the dialogue was in the script. Right. You don't know. Like there's there's still plenty that could be. Ugh, I don't know. And a lot that could have gone. A wrong. A lot that could have gone wrong. And yeah. so now, and, and also. As we've talked about last week with the, you know, hashtag release the JJ cut. Also, this is all a moot point. Yeah. None of it really matters. It, it There's a lot of what could have been in the world of cinema and storytelling. And it's not. We have what we have. It is what it is. Yeah. And that's the world we live in. I do think what's interesting is the response to this uh, that fans are having. And, and kind of – and this is where there's a good kind of, I think, a learning – for whether it be Lucasfilm or anyone who's mm. interested in storytelling or whatever, is like, why are people responding to it, it's two different stories? Like, there, and this is even a okay, well, maybe, maybe not. We don't know what would have happened, but why do you think people are responding so positively to this versus some people's feelings of Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, because some because your imagination is taking over from that, from that little bit that you've read. Yeah. Um, a lot of times with trailers, um, we construct the movie in our heads and a lot of, and, and a lot of times when we see those movies, it never holds up. Right. It, it never, I mean, you have the, you have those rare examples, you have the Avengers, you have Endgame. Um, but a lot of times it's, it's like the finale to a show. I mean, you've, you've created the perfect finale in your head and unfortunately the creator has a different story. Yeah. And so th- that is why I think people are so in love with this idea. Also, I mean, the whole Finn leading the resist or leading a uh, defecting stormtroopers, yeah, an insurrection of stormtroopers. I'm well, like, God, that would have. That's why he was in the story. Yeah, yeah. But I, and I think well, so I think you just hit on. I think you're right about people. Sort of, it, it's easy to fill in the gaps when you when you when you hear a couple really cool things and you kind of fill in your gaps of what could have been, but you don't actually have to work out the details. Yeah, it's like the devil's in the details a lot of the time. Right. But I think you hit on something with the Finn piece, and I think what what Colin Trevorrow did do here, whether he was going to be able to execute it. To execute on it or not, and clearly Lucasfilm did not think he was going to, which is right. why he didn't do it. Um, is that whether you like Last Jedi or not, this picked up the pieces and ran with them and gave you an ending that felt like it was part of the bigger whole. It was part of Force, like it was part of Force Awakens, it was part of Last Jedi, and it was part of Clone Wars and yeah. the prequels. Like he went back to Coruscant, uh, they went to Mortis. Uh, they didn't make up a wayfinder. Uh, Kylo Ren oh, a uses a holocron, a Sith yeah. holocron, which is a part of the thing. Um, the Finn being a defecting stormtrooper had a payoff. Yep. Uh, you know the Kylo Ren in Last Jedi killing Snoke and saying "Let the past die" has a payoff. He just takes everything over. So you just sort of see how all of these characters sort of continue on. Even the whole concept of Kylo Ren shutting down communication. Yeah. 
it's stated in the piece is because Luke's sacrifice in Last Jedi to be that spark of hope worked. Yeah. The story was spreading. They even I even read somewhere, I didn't say it in my description, but the end of the movie has a bunch of Force-sensitive kids being taken to Rey to be trained, including Broom Boy. Yeah. So there was clearly more, um, what are the pieces I have, and that's what I have to work with, and how do I use that to pay off? Yeah, there's more of the Knights of Ren in this thing, too, and uh, Solo does come back uh, in a different form. And so that is part of this as well. So it's still weaved in, which may be why Trevorrow got story by credit, because we get that solo scene in the movie in Rise yeah. of Skywalker. So, you know, they might have used that. But yeah. it's I also think this is I also think the reason they didn't go with the script is because Ryan Johnson swang, uh, you know, swung for the fences and made something different. And it really pissed people off. Maybe they got gun shy about this this script that swings for the fences as well in a number of ways. It's extremely interesting, but who knows if they would have got it right? Because isn't well, R of Tellum? What do you think? What do you think? Villain? Well, Kylo Ren is the villain. Right, right. He, but he, he goes and finds Palpatine's like teacher, teacher, yeah. tutor, and there's a giant tentacled Sith yeah. purse thing that trains him uh, at one point. But what do you think is the big swing for the fence? Because like, I, I think a big one is Kylo Ren not being redeemed, right? I think that there's probably this idea that Star Wars ultimately is about hope and redemption. Yeah. Well, you're also breaking these things, right? When does how does a force goes haunt someone? That's never happened before. Well, that's a new concept to be put in the situation. Also, I've never had force healing, but, but true, yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Yeah. That's a fair point. Fair <laughs> point. Uh, he does he does melt the armor a la Mandalorian to put on his Death face Star. as well, which is kind of like what connected back to the Mandalorian. So obviously, the Mandalorian existed in some form already in 2016. That they were already tying. Well, Beskar, that Beskar armor is from also the animated series. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the Mandalorian... Do they melt that stuff in the animated series, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. The whole concept of them melting their armor... Okay. Well, the whole concept of... Yes, the whole concept of melting the armor... Do they the melt armor Beskar armor? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure. What episode is that? I'll go find and tell you, but like the whole... <laughs> I literally just watched it recently. Like, I want you to go find The it. concept of melting the armor of Mandalorians yeah. that came before you actually yeah. is from the show. Right, right, right. But I didn't know they were doing the Beskar. That's the thing that I'm getting at. Well, that's what the armor's made of on Mandalore. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, you feel pretty <laughs> proud of yourself, don't you? To be, to be, to be, to be continued, I'll go find the clip and send it to you. <laughs> this is a longer discussion for another time. <laughs> this is a longer discussion for another time. <laughs> like, like Maz says. Uh, where'd you get, where'd no, you no, get no. that lightsaber? <laughs> uh, it's not important. <laughs> oh, also, Ray developed, uh, constructs that uh, double-sided lightsaber using... Luke's the broken, bro- yeah, the broken so, lightsaber. So finally, that gets connected and used as well. So. so look, but I don't think, and I don't want to turn this into a once again. Here's everything that Rise of Skywalker no, 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 did no, no, right no. or wrong. But I do think that it's fun to talk about that. whether you like Rise of Skywalker or you don't like Rise of Skywalker. I do think that it is a good lesson in the bigger world of building out these franchises to say it, it's like it's like improv. It's like one of the first things you learn when you are taking an improv class is number one rule of improv, don't negate. Like if somebody comes on stage and says, hey, everybody, look at this dog that I have. You don't come on stage and say, that's not a dog. It's a banana. Like you just don't do that. That is that is like whether or not. (laughs) Carl, you (laughs) messed it up again. But like that is the number one rule of improv. And if you don't have. A Kevin Feige, yeah. who at the very beginning is saying, we're getting to Infinity War. We're, we've got to seed the Infinity Stones. Right. we got to do this. If you don't have that, and you're going to go this Lucasfilm route where you say, okay, you're going to direct this, then you're going to direct this, you're going to direct this. The only way you can have a semblance of 
this feels like it's satisfying. This feels like it all ends mm. in a way where there's not a movie somewhere in there that's a weird outlier that's sticking out is you've got a yes and the improv. Yeah. And again, if people loved Rise of Skywalker, that is super cool if you were satisfied by it, but it's sort of undeniable that it is not a yes and. Now, I love Last Jedi. People who don't like Last Jedi could argue the same thing. They feel like that was not a yes and. Right, right. They feel like that was a zigzag. So I think in general, it's just it's just a good lesson that where we are right now is Star Wars, which fortunately is still great. Like, yeah. Mandalorian, everyone loves them some Baby Yoda. Yep. He's Star Wars now. Babu Frick um, Yeah, but like, yeah, Babu Frick, people mm-hmm. still love. I, I even, I'm even a Babu Frick fan. Yeah. Uh, we got Obi-Wan, con, we've got Obi-Wan series coming with yep. Deborah Chow, which right. apparently is going to have Jar Jar Binks in it. Yeah, let's talk about that. Which, yeah, can we talk about that for a let's second? Let's jump into that. Sure. What, uh, you know, what a great idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Mm-hmm. I think you're get you're obviously not going to get the character from episode 1 because this is a, this is a character who ha, is much older but yeah. has also experienced this sort of profound loss and how it's going to how it's going to change that individual and you hear about um Ahmed best, you know, personal personal life in the Ooh, wake man. of yeah, episode he struggled. 1. Yeah, and mm-hmm. what a great a lot of people would argue that the prequels did not really give Ewan McGregor the chance to play the Obi-Wan that we wanted to see. Yeah, sure. And I think you can say that with Ahmed best as well. I think, you know, we're going to, if, if he actually is in the series, we're going to get a chance. I hope he does. They, that, that, it seems, it's not a hundred percent confirmed that Jar Jar Binks is in the series, but it seems pretty solid that that seems to be something that's going to happen. And again, to my point about yes ending, I think I always say this, I give the, I give Dave Filoni and the team that wrote and directed and produced the Clone Wars animated series and Rebels a ton of credit, particularly Clone Wars, because they didn't go in and tell a bunch of stories that right. took place during the Clone Wars and change things. They didn't get rid of General Grievous. They didn't do this. They yes anded. Yep. They took the clones from Kamino and gave them personalities in life. They even have some to the to this point. They have some really funny and enjoyable Jar Jar episodes in Clone Wars. They mm. actually make him kind of funny and interesting. Um, and I think they did such a good job of taking something with the prequels. That as much as we all love the bigger stories, some people would say the prequels not the most well executed. Yeah. And they yes ended. And I think this idea of taking Jar Jar years later, kind of coming to Tatooine to visit Obi-Wan or to see Obi-Wan in whatever capacity that is, it's taking a character that was sort of resoundingly reviled and to the point where Ahmed Best you know, struggled with suicide and bringing him back in, in a way that sort of will potentially redeem him in star Wars canon. Yeah. And I think that's the great thing that I love about star Wars. And that's where I'm excited about where star Wars is going to go from here. No matter what is that as much as we all get upset about, well, they did this in rise of Skywalker. They didn't do this. I wish they had done this at duel. The fate sounded cooler in this way. Star Wars does sort of kind of self correct itself over decades. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, There's enough people stuff. that are that are in love with this mythology and in love with this universe that we all go back in and tinker with it and fix it eventually anyway. Well, that's the thing. And I, so I went back to uh, – I was on Riley's Cantini yesterday and we talked about this and he was just like, do you think people are just the, the anger? And I'm like, well, no, this is the deal. Star Wars is now – transcended to a firmament in our pop culture. It has always been something that we enjoyed, we've talked about. Now it is a pillar 
of our pop culture, pillar of our mainstream culture. And they will always exist, like the Oscars, like anything else that we've seen for so long. It has finally crossed over to that point where now it will take all the slings and arrows, but it will always spark the eternal hope that it could be good. It could be great. It could be incredible. And it's the one thing that people will come back to. The MCU will live and die. I don't think it'll ever reach Star Wars status in terms of the ability to really get in you as a child. You don't kinda, think so? No. And kind of construct. Because there's something about Star Wars that's about singularly this story, right? The Skywalker story for nine films. Singularly. That isn't in uh, 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 the MCU in the same way. I don't think it is. What and do you think that is? The Two Sons moment is that's the moment. The idea of wanting the possibility of more. I think right? I think whether I mean well I, I was going to say whether he intended it or not but he clearly did. Uh you know, people say a lot about George Lucas one way or the other, yeah. but when you look back, the fact that when everybody else was making the movies they were making, he went and got Joseph Campbell. Yeah. and got his advice on, "Hey, so, you know, all the big myths, Arthur, Gilgamesh, how how do those work?" And he said, "Well, here's right. how they work." And he said, "Cool." And then he made this movie. Right. <laughs> and I think that is the difference. I think, and I think that's why people get so mad. Yes. I think, and I think in particular right now, and it's what we were saying about the Oscars as well, that is why people get so mad about the Rose Ticos or the Finn and Poe relationship stuff is right. that there is a world of people like me, you know, being a gay kid who grew up who, you know, I, I thought I was Luke Skywalker. I, right, I right. always think I'm the lead. You guys all make fun of me for it. Mm. But, uh, but like, but Luke Skywalker... <laughs> well, Luke Skywalker could be gay. Mark Hamill has sort of said it could go either way. He's never, you know, aside from Mara Jade and the sure. Legends stuff. But the whole point is that everyone is now starting to see themselves reflected in this modern day myth that yeah. is sort of rolling out in front of us. And when it's kind of taken away, right. like it is with Rose Tico, or when the JJ stuff came out, where it's like, well, there was a potential that Finn and Poe could have been this thing, right? People get mad because they want to see themselves in the myth, and that's my point. Like, do you think? Do you think? You'd ever reach a level. Iron Man wouldn't do that. That's not Iron Man. That's not my Iron Man. It wouldn't come anywhere I mean, to the level. do it a little bit. Yeah, but it wouldn't come to level Luke Skywalker, and that's what I mean. And I don't think the MCU will ever reach that because of the fact that people fall in love with Star Wars generationally. My four, my seven, eight-year-old nephew was falling in love with Star Wars at four years old. He'd never seen the movies. Well, and, and that's the Before thing. Before the wait, MCU. Wait, Jenny, you were well, going to no, say something. I, well, I was going to say in terms of... Because it's with Marvel, it's not just the movies; it's also the comics. You've had so much history yeah. with all of these characters, where they have done their their ranges yeah. of responses have right. run. We've, the we've lived through, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. We've lived through some shitty arcs for every comic book hero. Oh, that's that what, yeah. So you, every you get comic past book it. hero, we've had to read the comics. Where right. We're like, I'm going to stop reading for a few months, and it ero- eventually it arose. You, you still have hope that the character will be great. But it'll never. I just don't think anything ever reaches the level of Star Wars. I just don't. Not even Star Trek. And I love Star Trek to pieces. And yeah. still, I can concede that Star Wars just has some kind of grip, a hold on people I, from childhood I do, on. Look, I think it is. I think. I think Lucas tapped into something. Yeah. And the real question is going to be whatever comes next, whether it's going thousands of years back to the High Republic, whether it's moving on to what happens post this trilogy. Are they going to be – and of course, I'm, this is the billion-dollar – literally the billion-dollar question that Iger and Kennedy and everybody are trying to wrestle with right now is with no with the, this, with the Skywalker saga done. We you, you say Ben Solo, and like even me, and I was saying this to somebody today, yeah. with Rise of Skywalker, I've, it's been clear my opinions on that. Um, but – and I don't love Ray being a Palpatine, but even taking that out of it, I could sit here and talk to you and wax poetic about – 
you know, Kylo Ren finally realizing that he had made a mistake and his father came and visited him and he decided that he didn't want to be him anymore and like threw the lightsaber away and then went and saved Rey and sacrificed. Him. I can get very poetic about the redemption of Ben Solo because sure. it has that mythic element to it, even if I don't love the direct execution. And will they be able to emulate that again with new characters? Yeah. It all comes down to casting. It all comes down to writing. That's the two things at the end of the day. But but kind of to your point about Marvel, and this is where I think it's a good point, and I think it's really interesting to consider, is that's that's not true. Because it does come down to casting, and it does come down to writing. But Marvel is kicking ass in most of their films on yeah. both of those things. And to your point, there's something else about Star Wars, and can they yes. maintain that? and that's the point. And that, right. And the Joseph Campbell thing is an excellent point, Michael. I think that's the thing that, at the end of the day, we all come back to that, because we all instinctively sense it as human beings and know it because those are the legends we grew up reading as kids the tall tales all of the all the great stories we read when we first start to learn to read are all based in that joseph campbell stuff do you think people back in ancient greece were this upset like somebody told a story about zeus and they were like hashtag release the release the uh of course soccer release, release the titan cut release the titan cut <laughs> <laughs> hashtag release the titan cut. like something like this is not my zeus <laughs> motherfuckers were killing themselves in baths and stabbing each other of course they were pissed off about that <laughs> pretty dramatic people the greeks <laughs> I mean, very where, passionate that's what it's a great art very comes passionate. from that's what great art comes from so don't people, piss off a spartan i'm always amazed people go you're so passionate yeah, how the fuck away is it i don't know how, the, how can you be any other way about art for fuck's uh, anyway, any last any last words? We're at a minute or at an hour and six. Yeah, you know, uh, one of our one of our uh, audience members reached out on oh, the Instagram page. Yeah, okay, and uh, I believe his name is Joe. And he, hello, Joe. And he was not happy with our Rise of Skywalker review. He's okay. like, I, I felt like you guys just kind of beat up on it. And he's like, you know, you did say that if if someone liked it, good for them. He's like, but then you guys just kind of beat the crap out of it for an hour. He's mm. like, you know, I couldn't finish the episode. And he's like, I'm still going to be a fan. He's like, I'm a huge fan of Roka's. He's like, but maybe in the all future. Right, all, right, all right, calm down, calm down. Just saying. <laughs> don't, get, don't get cocky. He knows I'm fair. <laughs> he said, in the future, if you're going to do a review, why don't you guys have someone who did like it to kind of counterbalance that? And I was like, that's actually, that's a decent idea. And, and I did respond. And I was like, listen, man, you know, before we all got involved in this professionally we were first and foremost fans yeah, yeah and sometimes with fans our emotions can get the better of us um you know we did start off this podcast by saying we want to be positive and mm. so well we did mention a few positive things we tried to talk about the positive things but also thought we were playful about it i don't think we were necessarily vitriolic <laughs> or mean well, at least i was trying to be playful think, about it in the heat I will admit that in the heat of seeing Rise of Skywalker, I yeah. think we came in a little hot. <laughs> All right. I, I don't feel anger towards the movie. Right. And so I, I hope that didn't come through in my criticism. But Joe's fair to point us, uh, to point that out to us. And maybe that is something we explore in the future. But I also worry about bringing someone on to be the victim of our of three people coming at them for their <laughs> like, opinion. You mean, like, you mean like the lone liberal on Fox and Friends? Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Juan Williams, poor Juan Williams. <laughs> yeah, that kind of situation. I, I would I would hesitate to bring someone on it. But Joe makes an excellent point. Can we bring on people who are willing to defend the film? I know for me, I'm going to go on the Resistance broadcast tomorrow, which is one of the sport, one of the uh, Star Wars uh, podcasts, and they all love the movie. So I'm coming on as someone who didn't like the movie, and the thing they want to talk about is Trevorrow, or Trevorrow rather, and uh, how that compares to Rise of Skywalker. So I'm walking into the lion's den. 
Uh, and I'm going to have fun with this. I, do think, I don't take it so seriously. I mean, I think it's fair. Look, there's, if we're going to keep talking movies, there's always going to be movies that we don't like. And yeah. sometimes, like with Rise of Skywalker, there's going to be a movie that the three of us don't like. And that's when it's going to get dicey. I do think the goal that we always have is, and, and maybe we don't always meet that goal, yeah. is, look, if we're going to talk about what we don't like about, and this is what I think of as a writer. Like, even when I see a movie that I don't like, when I'm going through why I don't like it and what my problems were, it's in an effort to go in the future when I'm crafting a story mm. or when other people out there are wanting to craft stories. Why did this not work for me? And just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. Like you and I could are, and we have argued in great detail. Shannon, I'm pointing at Shannon when I say <laughs> you and I, uh, you and I have argued uh, a lot about last Jedi. Cause you and I do not agree. I think last no. Jedi does some brilliant things and you're like, pass. Um, <laughs> But I do think the goal, even when we don't like something, it's in an effort to, it's not an effort to just be like, I fucking hate this and whoever made it should never work in Hollywood again. And it's more in the effort of like, here's what I didn't like and here's how I think storytelling could be improved as we all move forward and tell new stories. Yeah. yeah. And, and, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, and I, I was going to say the way Joe brought his um, concern up, I was like, that that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was perfectly respectful and just like, listen, guys, I, I enjoy this. I didn't like this, though. Well, I'd like to ask Joe, um, and I totally respect where Joe's coming from, absolutely, and he makes a good, uh, point like you said, Shannon, but Joe, if we, if you hadn't liked the movie either, would you have been as upset? I wonder. That's a, you know, it's a fair question to ask. Um, would you have, would it have bothered you as much if you had also not liked the movie? Because I'm taking, it seems to me that you liked the movie, and then you didn't like us bashing it. But also, so, I want to know, I want to know, I mean, look, we don't have somebody on the show, and we didn't have somebody on the show uh, that likes it. I want to know, and I and I think we'll have, we're happy to talk about it. Like, what we're clearly going to keep talking about Star Wars, yeah. for just weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, what did Joe love about the movie? I want to know what Joe loved about Rise of Skywalker. Right. Are you listening, Joe? Reach but out on Twitter or Instagram. But you can't counter his why he liked it. That's what? that's the condition. Yeah, that, that's the condition. You have to let him I'm tell you gonna... what he liked, and then let it go. All right. Yeah, you ask the question because that's really making. I'm not going to fight you, Joe. There it is. That's a good point. We don't want to fight any of our fans. We love the buddies, fans. Uh, all right. Anyway, let's wrap it up there, Joe. Thank you so much for your concerns and other people. If you have concerns, please. It's yeah. what we have social media for. Uh, Shannon, where can they express them? Yeah, if you like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies on Instagram at the underscore mm. at the underscore geek underscore buddies that's the first time that's ever happened all right if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you'd like to follow mr roca on both platforms it's at the roca roca says <laughs> if you'd like i know i'm stumbling through this it's like i gotta go to the bathroom or something uh. <laughs> if you'd like to follow mr vogel on both platforms it's at mk tune there it is you got uh. there and like we were saying, Joe and everybody else, uh, let us know what you think of the episodes. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your questions. Let us know uh, what you want us to talk about. Let us know if you want us to uh, get into it on anything. Yeah. And um, while you're at it, whether you're wa- listening to us on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever, give us some ratings. Give us some stars. Give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Because the more that we get, the higher up we go. And the more buddies are going to join the conversation absolutely and uh, if i may a little personal thing if you all would like to uh, subscribe to my youtube channel it's www.youtube.com slash john roca says uh, i've crossed eleven thousand. Uh, i'd like to keep building that's very nice of everybody to come aboard and there'll be more stuff going on and of course the geek buddies 
We should say this now, the Geek Buddies, the plan is, starting in February, to put us on camera for these episodes. They will still be in podcast form, but they'll also be in camera on YouTube. We'll put it on the out of the uh, on the YouTube page that I have there that I tell you to subscribe to. So if you're a Geek Buddies fan, find your way, get over there, subscribe to it, and you'll start seeing us on camera. The plan is for the first week of February. We hope it'll, make, we hope it'll happen uh, as we go forward. Does, but, that, does that mean I have to start wearing pants? Yeah, sure, sure. Damn it. Unless it's a dog tag party, I guess you don't have Hey-o. to. Hey-o. Let's call the callback. <laughs> well, speaking of, I got to go pack all these costumes for this damn cruise. <laughs> On that note, uh, uh, thanks everybody for listening to another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.